1: The Institute is New Zealand's largest independent science institute, based in Nelson. Our research spans five core themes. Aquaculture, algae and bioactives, freshwater health, ocean health and seafood safety we have world-leading researchers spread across our laboratories and many are out in the field at this time of year doing sampling and experiments as part of projects that are protecting the environment, enhancing the well-being of people and creating economic opportunities. I'm joined today by two awesome Cawthorne scientists, Georgia Thompson-Lang, a PhD student in our Coastal and Freshwater Group, and Constanza Steiner, who is a molecular scientist. They're both working on fantastic projects that help us to understand and protect native species of fish and eel. And we're going to have a chat about this research after they explain what they're working on. So welcome, Georgia and Constanza. Kia ora. Hello. Hi, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. <laughs> so I guess I'll put it out to you first, Georgia. Can you tell us a little bit about your
2: research? What are you working on? Yeah, so I'm kind of working within the freshwater health part of science themes and specifically looking at native freshwater fish in lakes and looking at environmental DNA. So we do work trying to identify eels My my research is mainly on eels and taking water and sediment samples from lakes, and we use DNA within these samples to understand what's living there, and my interest is in freshwater fish.
0: And what about you, Constanza? Yeah, so... I'm using the same methods that Georgia is using. So it's a lot of method development and trying to find molecular tools to find species in the environment. And I'm specifically looking at kakahi, New Zealand's native freshwater mussel. And yeah, we're specifically interested in that species because we're thinking it might be declining as many freshwater mussels in the world are due to loss of water quality and more land use and things like that. So um, yeah, it's really important to monitor that species and find out whether it's still there in the lakes. And one way of doing that or the way that we're trying to do that is by just taking a water sample or a sediment sample and then analysing the DNA in it and just by that looking if the species is in the lake or not without actually seeing the species.
1: For those listening that don't know what environmental DNA is, could you explain
0: it a little better? So DNA is something that we all have in our bodies that every species has. And if we wanted to analyze DNA, we could just take a swab, for example, like it's being done with the COVID testing now. We can just analyze the DNA from that. The difference to environmental DNA is that basically we don't have a species sitting right in front of us that we can take a tissue sample from. We just have the water sample, but we assume that every species in the water will get rid of their DNA because they lose skin cells or fecal matter or they
2: die in the environment and so their cells are left in the environment and the DNA within these cells is released into the environment. And because each species has unique DNA, when we then look at the total DNA in a sample, we can identify and see what species are in that sample.
1: So how do you find it in the environment? Do you have to have uh, like a reference of that
0: DNA and do you put it into a computer or what do you do with it? Yeah, that's right. That's a big question. Yeah, you have to then sequence the DNA but then obviously, what you need to do is you need to compare it to something that's very right. So we rely on databases that where other people before us have already took the DNA from the actual tissue from the animal and where they have taxonomically identified it's the right animal so they're really sure on this is this and this species and then they've analysed the DNA and put it in a database and so then we can compare our environmental samples with that database to make sure it's the same thing. And the
2: database essentially knows what the unique sequences are for each of these different organisms.
1: So you take a water sample Mm -hmm. and then do you put it into a machine? What do you do with it?
2: (laughs) It's quite a process. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) We can go into that if you want, but we essentially extract. So take the DNA out of the sample. We have to clean away all the mud or everything else that's in that sample. We take the DNA and then we make more of it. So we amplify it. And then once we have enough DNA, we can then sequence it, look exactly what the DNA is composed of, and then compare it to our databases. So that's the lab side of the work. We take it back to the laboratory and analyze it. Great.
1: I mean, this sounds like it would be a lot quicker and easier than doing this manually because presumably in the past you've had to try and actually find the fish
0: yeah so it's compared to traditional methods which is finding the species so you basically like for the kakahi you would actually need divers to go into the lake because they might be living quite deep in the lake and then or you have people actually manually searching for them in the mud because they're living in the mud and that's it's quite time consuming and it needs really good skills like i mean scientific diving is is a very um, specific skill so it is much faster and it can screen wider lay. however it can't replace the traditional methods so you need both to complement each yes. other yeah. yeah
2: it's also less invasive to an environment as well yeah. and the species yeah. in general so for something like eel it's so probably less skill required because you just need to catch them, and identification's a bit easier. But a lot of in like rivers and stuff, they use electrofishing, which is just less invasive environmentally to use these methods.
0: I guess the idea would be that with that method, we are able to screen a wider range mm. of water bodies, and then we would be able to better advise which lakes or rivers might be worth further investigating with more in-depth traditional monitoring then?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it kind of allows you to narrow down your right. your field yeah. of yeah. inquiry Yeah. yeah. Cool. And is there anything that's coming out of this research that you've learned that you didn't know before about the species that you're looking at? I mean,
0: personally, I've learned a lot about the species that <laughs> yeah. I didn't know before, but not in that that it wasn't known before. I mean, kaka is just a really amazing and important species. I guess our part is more on the method development side, so our learning process is more in there And making a tool that we can then use. And it doesn't specifically tell
2: us at the moment anything new about the ecology or how the animal lives or anything like that but I would say as well as the present day surveys the reason we are also developing these tools is so part of our project is looking at lake histories and in a way that other methods can't this method can potentially get us to look at historical changes within our species because if you can imagine we can always go out and catch fish or look for kaki in the present day but when we want to understand what's happened in the past environmental DNA is one of the only tools that allows us to do this actually
1: So the method development that you're working on, is that presumably because this is quite a new technology and it hasn't really been applied across New Zealand in relation to these species before?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's not part of the monitoring programs yet or it's just like, you know, it's slowly getting recognised as being a good tool. But it's, yeah, it's still that traditional monitoring is the go-to, like the standard protocol. And so we're trying to really push this method forward so that it can also be, part of regular monitoring programs. Mm-hmm.
1: And who's likely to do that
0: monitoring and who would be using these tools? Well, regional councils and um, DOC does a lot of the monitoring. Especially um, for uh, Kaki. Yeah, but also fish, for communities. fish, yeah, fish yeah, communities. Yeah, fish yeah. communities.
1: Um, And have they been involved at all in your research? Are they like a partner that you're working with or are they more waiting to see the results of this and then you'll probably engage with them later?
0: Uh, Well, it has happened actually quite recently because actually this whole project is part of the Lakes 380 project, which we could also explain (laughs) in more (laughs) detail maybe. So it actually has come from there and the target was to kind of see how it would all look historically in the sediment but then because it's such a good tool we got more interest in using it in general and just recently for my own research in order to validate this method i joined doc when they did a monitoring program for kakahi in the ashburton lakes and they did for a week the whole traditional monitoring and i went alongside them and took water samples and um, hopefully we can compare that and work together to improve the method yeah
1: Great. Is there anything in the future that's kind of a, this is a new technology, but is there any newer new technology (laughs) that you're kind of, that you've got your eye on or anything that's about to change or challenges? Like what does the future of this
2: research look like? So there are definitely some challenges, (laughs) some challenges. And so I've recently started my PhD and this was mainly prompted by the fact that especially when we're going looking at historical changes, sediment is tricky and if you imagine a lake is very big and when you're trying to find DNA within a lake of a specific species or especially fish which move around a lot can be quite challenging to find the DNA in the sediment. So my PhD is really looking at how to optimize finding the DNA in the sediment and then looking in history. So that's a challenge but I think going down our sediment layers so we can look at the environmental history of the lakes that's really like a kind of a new avenue for this type of research because there are a few other research groups around the world who have done it but in regards to fish it's quite novel i would say and that's where i'm hoping to head in the near future and what about you constanza
0: i guess we're we're kind of trying to always know about the newest technologies Mm. to look at the dna so actually we don't want to send them off always for sequencing because it takes time so actually what we want to do is we want to do it in-house and be able to just use a so-called pcr technology that allows us to look at multiple of these species at the same time Mm. So And that would even more reduce costs because we can screen for more than one species at a time.
1: Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. That sounds like really interesting research. Yep. <laughs> and you're actually both going to be joining us on Saturday the 10th and giving public talks at our open day about this. So if anyone listening is interested in finding out more about this really exciting research that's going to go a great way to protecting some of our native species and better understanding the natural environment, then please do join us. It's Saturday the 10th of April from 10 till 2pm at Cawthoran's Halifax Street campus. You'll be able to tour our laboratories, find out about our research and listen to a range of our scientists talking about different subjects. So more information is available on our website at www.cawthoran.org.nz and that's us for today. Thank you and Enohora. Thank you very much.